urologist Malcolm Meyer. Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O, morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, greetings. Welcome in on a Tuesday morning. February 7th, 2023, 32 degrees in the capital city to start your day and uh, another of many days where we uh, should get into the uh, the 50 degree mark plus by this afternoon and maybe actually see some sun with it this time today. It doesn't, uh, 50 or 48 or whatever it was yesterday just doesn't quite hit the same when it's cloudy the entire day long. Now, good news about that is uh, of these next like five out of seven days, it should be in the 50s. Looks like we're going to have abundant sunshine throughout them so cargo short season is back on got a good show for you today on a tuesday morning in addition to uh your regular sound off and morning drive brought to you by stonebridge insurance and wealth management we will have joe jordan news channel nebraska joining us at 710 to talk nebraska news and politics and at 810 this morning the debut appearance of New, newish, still fairly new. Nebraska head football coach Matt Rule. He will join us at eight ten today, and uh, so looking forward to get a chance to call Matt Rule uh, to talk to Matt Rule. I should say on on the show. I I do look forward to it. Now I was uh, Mark. Good morning, Mark. By the way, how are you doing Greetings. today? I was uh, I I was looking for some uh, commonalities um, that we might be able to to share with Matt. Well, you know, I want him to be wanted to be acquainted with the the morning show staff at the hometown affiliate of his team, right? Right. And so w- was looking for for some various things. And you know, I'm I'm about the same age as him. Uh, I'm a pastor's kid like him. I did find an interesting one though, Mark, with um with you. Because Uh-oh. you were, you were, uh, you, if you go back to uh, 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 like 1983, uh, when he, he referenced going to the kickoff classic game between Nebraska and Penn State. Now, his family lived in New York City at the time, um, and he was a, a Penn State fan. But he, prior to that, his family, his dad moved from being, uh, from being a pastor in suburban Kansas City out to New York City for for a, a, a job he he wanted to to take there, uh, and I realized they had a little bit of crossover there with when you were in would have been in right in Topeka right doing yes. doing radio yes uh, at a station that I'm sure would have reached suburban Kansas City oh yes and we happened to be the uh, a local uh, the K State fla- uh, flagship right? station the flag- yeah K State and the, because they had three flagships for the Royals. Okay. And City Topeka and St. Joe. So he may have, unbeknownst to him, even heard uh, he and, and especially perhaps maybe his parents may have heard a little Mark Vale back in the day. Could, way, could way in, in way suburban back. Kansas City or driving around Kansas. Could be. And the, the other funny thing about this, that same time, if, if you go back to it in, in uh, 1983, that was the kickoff classic that year. He referenced this at his opening press conference, how he went to that. Um, he, uh, he, he, it was at the East, uh, the, the, uh, East Rutherford, New Jersey in the Meadowlands and our own traffic guy, Chris Lofgren, he was the, uh, Husker cheer coach for the, for the football cheer team at that point. So he was also at that game in East Rutherford leading the cheer squad at that point. Well, we're probably so. only what, uh. 
probably all family. We just don't realize it. I mean, <laughs> there you go. There, uh, there you go. So, uh, yeah, we'll talk to him about about uh, some of those commonalities. We'll see uh, see how he's uh, uh, kind of the, the the last few months. It's been a whirlwind, I'm sure, for him being being hired. Uh, getting a staff put together around him, which is now, you know, finally taking some final final shape with some administrative hires that are coming down, uh, finishing up the last recruiting period, uh, getting kind of getting to know and assess the current roster, kind of in a a little spot. I wouldn't say a lull in terms of the work that has to be done, but it's sort of a a transition point that comes in the first couple of months of of being a coach between that that building and that initial recruiting and then what happens with spring football right now. So we'll be really, really interesting to get his assessment of all of that as he joins us today at 810. So we look forward to all of that coming up later today. You don't want to miss that. And if you can't hear it, uh, do make sure and check out our podcast at KLIN.com. We'll get that up as, as soon as possible if you want to listen to that a little bit later today. So uh, that is what we've got going on this morning in terms of the schedule, in terms of the news, Mark. Uh, what's oh, uh, what's a, your headline today? Quite a few things. Uh, $747 million Powerball, uh, single ticket uh, sold in the state of Washington. I didn't that. think these things ever hit anymore until they got to a billion. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, this the, was, I believe, the ninth largest. So, I mean, you know, even, barely three, even quarters, the headlines. three quarters of a billion, probably, you know, not even getting into the top five. I yeah. Mean, it's just, it was like all of them lately yeah. have gone way into ridiculous yeah. numbers. Not that 700 million isn't a ridiculous uh, The number. mayor's water source advisory committee recommendation was uh, confirmed yesterday. The mayor happy with it. That's a second water source. Uh, down along the Missouri River, Wellfield down there, and then pipeline to Lincoln. Uh, one proposal in the legislature, uh, Senator uh, Tony Vargas is pushing this one. This would cut some red tape for food truck owners. I saw and, this. And would, uh, you know, streamline the, the permitting process and have reciprocity between uh, uh, some counties, Lancaster, Douglas, Hall counties, for example. So. That's uh, that's uh, more food trucks uh, in places where I am. I support. Yes, please. I think generally, mm-hmm. I, I generally am in in fa- you know food of any kind, and I don't want that to be any kind of a uh, any kind of a slap in the face to brick and mortar places because I still plan to spend uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars over the duration of my time in my Lincoln at those places too. So I mean, yes, I think- if, if you can plant a, a cactus in my apartment building, absolutely. Huh? Yeah, the cactus what like the the restaurant oh gotcha oh <laughs> there you go i mean if you want to put some plants in there too i guess cactus is good that's always uh that's one of my you know if if i get like a birthday situation where i get to choose where to go out to eat that's always on my short i'm list. usually grabbing one of those that's often on my short list although not any big munch madness runs really as far as I can recall, well, they've been, nothing. You know, they've the, been in there, but not any big. But runs, they haven't been think. there that long. Compared, yeah. and you know, we were during the pandemic Although, then, right after they got started. Norms on Forty Eighth, Muchachos. They were kind of new. They were yeah. both kind of new when they won. I mean, I'm just saying, maybe maybe it's not an excuse. Yep. All right, <laughs> let's see what else is there. Oh, uh, uh, Lincoln Man lost about three hundred fifty thousand in a crypto scam. Oh geez, you know three hundred fifty thousand. Yep. How does that happen exactly? Evidently, my goodness. Yeah. I, I mean, I know the way it happens with all these, uh, you know, the these other calls where they say, "Hey, your grandson." They call somebody and they 
They see if they can get somebody who's uh, maybe older and vulnerable on these things. And, yeah. hey, your, was, your grandson's in jail. You've got to go to the store and buy uh, Visa gift cards and send me the, the pictures on them, those sorts of things. But this, this one, I great, believe, though. started with a phone call, and then he joined a, a messaging app, Telegram. Oh, jeez. Uh, those but, people are the worst. So, um, story out of uh, the movie theater world this morning. Uh, they're going to uh, position pricing in some theaters. Yeah. So this is AMC. We've and I've, I've got a little bit if we get to it on yep. on the sound off today. But essentially, the better seat, so center, you know, halfway up, are going to be the prime priced seating. Cheaper in the front row. If you end up in the front row, which I've only ended up in the front row f- since they've instituted the recliner seating once, and I was. I was not looking forward to it. It and it was it was doable but only barely, yep. I would say. So, that's that's probably good. I I mean, the question is well, number 1, it doesn't matter here because we don't have AMC's here in Lincoln because there's not competition in the the movie market here. We've uh we got Marcus here in in Lincoln. So, I don't know if they'll consider going to something like that or not. But uh, and, the, and then the other thing is, my question is, okay, so are you making the non-prime, the non-premium seats cheaper, or are you making the premium seats more expensive? Than, what do you think? What it all, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. I, know. I mean, I good mean, call. Yeah. Good call. But the only other thing, uh, State of the Union tonight. Oh, boy. And we found out who's going to be re- delivering the Republican. Isn't it Sarah Huckabee? Yes. Sanders? Governor of Arkansas. Yeah. Uh, if you guys want me to give a big breakdown of that tomorrow, you're out of luck. <laughs> About four billion other chances to hear people ruminate on that whole thing and love it or hate it. So that I used uh, to enjoy watching State of the Union. Now I don't even bother. Oh man, I've got no whoever's doing it. Whoever's doing it. Yeah. It's just all it does is make me realize that we're so stinking divided that. Uh, when it comes to we're seeing half the place stand up and and then and then frankly all the clapping is egregious at some point. I mean at at some point it's over the top. Like and, we get it. Okay. And how important or how much uh, effort goes into inviting special guests? Right. And, right. Anyway. Anyway, uh, if you're into it, enjoy tonight. That's, that's enough. The, uh, the the other thing this was this was another thing that uh, I had seen Mark. Um, so evidently they were going to get going or they have been getting going on this housing development that's by Wilderness Park that has been the subject of some controversy over the course of the last year. Um, so this is a, across the street from this location that they do sweat lodge ceremonies. And you remember the city uh, and some of the Native American community had some real back and forth on on how to do this. The city did end up going forward. Um Saying there were concessions made by the developer um, to, to try and to, to try and allow for the least amount of commotion, I suppose, around that that would be an issue. But the, the there were a lot of Native American community and and elsewhere who were unhappy with this thing. So they're getting going with tree removal on that thing, but it came to a standstill because there were protesters. Uh, at the site at that point, about a dozen protesters there yesterday, uh, they put up essentially a, a protest camp and a teepee early in the morning, and they they 
said they, they they were frustrated with some with some things because uh, they they wanted there to be another public hearing scheduled so there could be an appeal heard on uh, on the developments the decision on the development by the board of zoning they found out there was not going to be a hearing on that so they have have returned to the site at that point and they are looking at next steps uh they the the tree removal uh, was at a standstill so they stopped that and but it was they were told at that point that at Tuesday they're going to get going that's today Tuesday they're going to get going once again with the tree removal on this and if there are problems then police will begin enforcing trespassing laws at that time and so who knows exactly what is going to happen today if the protests are still going on, if police have to get involved. Probably not an outcome that anybody wants with this whole thing. Uh, but the city's kind of stood strong on this thing, and they said, look, the Board of Zoning, um, they've, they're they an unelected board, essentially. They can't veto the, the city council. They can't veto the mayor on on this entire thing and so they they essentially said look the planning department said hey this isn't going to be heard by the zoning board um you they return the application they return the appeal fee on this whole thing and they said we're going forward with this and well, there so was, there was a lawsuit that was dismissed by the court uh, and i think that's what moved this forward this latest round yes yeah. No. Um, so th- they are wanting to go in front of the zoning board. The, zo- the planning commission has ruled that the zoning board basically does not have jurisdiction to make a change here at this point, and they're frustrated with that. And so they were all in in the area today. You know, Mark. I guess I'd be surprised a little bit if they backed down now oh, and yeah. and got out of there at this point. And so you wonder if you're going to have a situation where. People are where you're going to have photos and videos of protesters being arrested at this site, which the city absolutely does not want on this whole thing. And by the way, this is uh, they're building um, it's it's called Wilderness Crossing, single family homes, townhomes, apartment units. And I believe some um, affordable housing, some affordable housing is a part of part of that, too. And and this is Manzito Construction. They're saying, hey, you know, we did we. We acquired the land, right? We, as it was not their land at that point, we went through all the the red tape, all the governmental stuff, as got all the permits, got all the OKs from city entities, and so we're trying to go forward as we're you know allowed to under the law at this point. Um, but those who are protesting obviously don't see it that way, and it could come to a head today. So that is uh, that's the latest there. Oh, and there was a basketball game. Last and uh, Nebraska women held on again. Making me nervous here. That's <laughs> kind of been a, a theme lately is pulling out the wins, but uh, making you sweat down to I the mean, end of it, it, huh? It didn't get as close as the previous game, but when you get up 20-3 to three to start and you score 30 points in the first quarter, you're like, oh, that's great. Oh, they're talking about how that's the, uh, that's the best first quarter the team's had all season. Yeah, that's pretty good. And then, oh, that's the lowest scoring second quarter they've had all season. Okay, haven't really put this one away. Oh, scored a bunch again in the third quarter. Stretch this bad boy out to 20 again. That's nice. And then Northwestern starts the fourth on a something like a 19-4 a to four run. Yeah. 
cuts it all the way to seven, and I'm like, you guys are just turn, turning it over. They had at one point had four turnovers in 48 seconds. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I didn't see uh, it uh, much of it last night, but I did just oh, kind of looking, looking back at it. It kind of felt a little bit like that Michigan State game in some ways. It was it uh, was almost uh, it was very identical. Just yeah. a couple things here or there, and Northwestern, to their credit, is starting to hit shots. The officials start calling just about everything, which ended up favoring Nebraska because Nebraska made eighteen free throws in the fourth quarter alone. Jeez. Wow. So so they, they got to the line and they took advantage of it, made twelve in a row at one point. But man, there's just there's something about getting to the second half of these games and not handling the pressure yeah. as well as they do through the first two quarters. So Nebraska's at five hundred in the conference, and I, I don't know exactly. Uh, you know, I tend to think in 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 men's basketball and evaluating this like a winning record in the Big Ten is. Uh, usually a kind of a good harbinger about whether or not you'll yeah, make the tournament. Good. Women, the women's Big Ten is also very strong, so I would say that's probably the case. They're six and six, so they they're now at five hundred, getting those two wins with six games left. So, mm-hmm. I, I you think probably four and two, and it looks pretty good. But you know, within within that schedule, you got number five Iowa, you got number twelve Michigan, you got two games against Illinois, and you got Northwestern again. Yeah, in addition to going to Minnesota, so. I mean, it looks just on who would be favored that Nebraska should be able to get four wins out of that, but there's not much room to slip up no. in that either. So Yeah, and, and they, they've been riding that bubble line. Yep, yeah. And uh, if they if they want to make it comfortable and and uh, no stress on selection uh, on selection day, you don't want to get four, maybe five wins yes. uh, as they finish out the season. All right, we got to check your sports. Full sports coming up next from Caleb. We got the sound off coming up in ten minutes. You listen to LNK today with Jack and friends on KLIN. Severe weather means interruptions, check closings, and cancellations anytime at KLIN.com. Meteorologist Malcolm Byron. A look at news from both inside and outside of Lincoln, and conversation on how that news affects us here. It's time for the sound off on LNK today. But first, don't forget, Matt Rule coming up at 810 today. Talk to the Nebraska head football coach. Look forward to that. Uh, also, three days from now is Request Line Friday. And it's going to be your last Request Line Friday for two weeks because we go from Request Line Friday to a week off for the Munch Madness Selection Show on the 17th, so be aware of that. It's going to be a last chance to put a request in for two weeks. We're not going away for an extended time, just for one week off, but uh, this week is going to be in honor of Valentine's Day, which will be uh, coming up the week after, but uh, perhaps that weekend being a, a big time to celebrate Valentine's Day, we are uh, going to ask you for your uh, for your, your Valentine's Day song for maybe that, especially that a uh, especially romantic song that you want to dedicate out there to your sweetheart if you'd like to. Um, doesn't have to be that, though, either. You might not have a sweetheart, so that's fine, too. You might still have a, uh, in the honor of, uh, in the uh, spirit of Valentine's Day, something that you want to hear. Uh, but we'd love to do that. And a good good time for some dedications, too. So you want to get those in prime time. You want to make sure that your significant other, uh, if you're going to do that, is is listening. And you're going to want to be early on the request this week. <laughs> I see we already have a decent amount that, have, yeah. that are in here on Tuesday morning. We've so. got some good requests, some good dedications on there, too. Cool. 
All right, text those in to the Rick Stein Recognition text line today or as soon as you know what you want this week at 402-479-1400. And we'll get going with the, uh, as Caleb and I call it, the Aw Yeah request line Friday. Uh, you guys are like knocking down our doors. They're like, guys, you are 38 minutes into the show. When do we get news on the spy balloon? Okay. Calm down. I've got a spy balloon update for you. I know you want it, so let's hear it. Senators on Capitol Hill are preparing for Thursday's briefing on the Chinese spy flight and its next steps with respect to China. And President Biden claiming his administration is ready to deal with the fallout. We've made it clear to China what we're going to do. They understand our position. We're not going to back off. We did the right thing. We're now learning from U.S. military officials that the spy flight had the potential for explosives to detonate and self-destruct. Senior government sources telling us that they will analyze the remains of the flight at an FBI processing lab in Quantico, Virginia. The airship, which flew over several military bases in the United States, weighed nearly 2,000 pounds and was 200 feet tall. All right. That was bigger than it looked from those uh, pictures from the ground. So I wouldn't have guessed 200 feet tall. My wife added a page to uh, our bedtime story last night for our daughter. <laughs> a spy balloon. Uh, the very last page. page, it goes, good night, table. Good night, moon. Good night, Chinese spy balloon. <laughs> uh, explosives on the thing. What? Is that that should be a bigger deal, right? What, what's going on here? Well, that, that's what I was but, telling you. They could have had something like, in there. Yeah, well, and you're that's like, what, no, get a net, shoot it down, do well, whatever. Okay, good thing they not in my America, fine. says fine. Jack Mitchell. But but what happened? I did. They didn't. Did they not work? What 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 exactly <laughs> happened with that thing? It, it didn't look like anything exploded. It looked like it kind of and then went down into the Myrtle Beach coastline there into the water. All right. Maybe we'll get some spy balloon talk, uh, State of the Union tonight. Ooh, I we'll guarantee see. we will. What, what, are we gonna? That'll just be a half the room applause type situation. Definitely, right? He's gonna. Biden's definitely gonna reference. This is not the first Chinese balloon, Probably. right? Like that's he's, he's the, gonna. That's the big thing. He's gonna throw. Like, that's gonna get applause. That's now the big thing is their debate about whether there was one before and. According to the White House, quote, President Biden will show the American people his plan to build on the unprecedented deficit reduction his leadership has already delivered by having the richest taxpayers and big corporations pay their fair share and lowering prescription drug prices. Tonight's State of the Union is seen as a kickoff of sorts to the 2024 presidential campaign, and currently the president's approval rating is at 45 percent. It's down 11 percent from its highest in June of 21. And following tonight's address to the nation, President Biden and Vice President Harris We'll head to states that are poised to be critical in 2024. Anybody ever, uh, anybody ever kept track of how many of the things that are, I mean, it's kind of like a campaign, a state of the union where you rattle off all these policy things that you'd like to see happen. Mm -hmm. How many times those things actually happen with those? It seems, it seems rare to me, but yeah, it'd be nice to see an actual checklist of, Hey, these are kind of the agenda items that were laid out. Right. Yeah. So anyway, that is uh, tonight. If you're a State of the Union type person, if that gets your uh, gets it going for you, enjoy tonight. Sarah Huckabee Sanders will be li- delivering the Republican response. 
afterwards. And uh, when did that when did that type of thing start? By the way, that's as long as I can remember. The the response like forever thing. that the yeah. The, there have been a lot of funny ones though because there was the year that Marco Rubio desperately needed a, a drink of water with his. He ended up poking fun of himself afterward. There was a year. Uh, what was her name? Uh, they did a third party one. Michelle Bachman did one, but they had her like not staring into the camera directly, and it was so weird. Like. Over here. My eyes are over here, <laughs> Michelle. No, there's something don't, happening. You don't that. hear much about Michelle Bachman anymore. I've just remembered her for the first time in a long time. You remember that name? You may not even remember that name. Minnesota. No she was, uh, yeah, she was, a, she was a big political figure for a while. Uh, all right. What else do we have going on? We should, uh, in all seriousness, though, um, keep in keeping your thoughts and prayers what's happening uh, in Turkey right now, yeah. because it is, you've got obviously a devastating earthquake. You've got infrastructure that's destroyed. This happens while people are sleeping. And so the search and you can imagine, maybe you can't imagine what the search and rescue situation is like there. If you've seen some of the aerial pictures of what that thing did, um, it's, it was devastating and it's, uh, it's terrifying just to even think about, uh, what happened to the people who were in those buildings at the time, and then throw on top of it that it is like bitterly cold winter weather there in Turkey right now. How so they're cold is it they're in going Turkey, through right? the I don't know. Look at look look that up. I've heard I've been listening to some of the reports. I guess I haven't heard any of the numbers of exactly how cold that it is, but it's uh it's thirty six. Oh, it's thirty six. Okay, well. I mean that's not it's not warm. No, they were some of the reports, and probably that was particularly in the overnight hours, uh, where it was especially bad with wind and snow. And maybe it's getting better here at this point, but that's a challenge too. Through snow and freezing rain, rescue workers have been continuing their efforts. Survivors who've lost homes and loved ones huddle round a wood fire. We haven't eaten anything since morning, says this man. Our children are very hungry. A huge local and international rescue effort is underway. 300,000 blankets and more than 41,000 family tents already delivered. Morale is lifted when someone is pulled out alive. Wow. But for those trapped under the rubble, this is a race against the clock. Jonathan Savage, Fox News. Yeah, so that is, that's a few hours old now at this point, but uh, what, they were just past 24 hours on this late yesterday uh, and still pulling, you know, I I can't imagine uh, what that would be like, being under that rubble for that time, really not being able to move, uh, still surviving, just hoping that somebody is going to come and rescue you but a race against the clock at the same time too yeah i mean gotta you've got to find these people fairly fairly quickly here at this point so a terrible situation in turkey and in parts of syria as well that were impacted as well by this whole thing um all right let's get into some of the other other items Uh, this is interesting A, a lot of people are saying caleb that companies need to be ready for this it 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 used to be that Companies need to be ready for people working from home more regularly, and that was going to be a key to being competitive in the future. Well, now at night might not be about where you work, but about how much you work. Is the four-day work week gaining so much momentum that companies in this country especially 
are going to start making that or needing to make that something more normal? Some employment agencies say a four-day work week will become more popular in the coming years and that companies need to be ready for it. That is a bill is being proposed in Maryland to reduce the work week to 32 hours. Employees suffer from burnout, they suffer from stress, health problems, mental health problems from working too much. Maryland Democratic Delegate Von Stewart basing his bill off research by four-day-a-week global, an advocacy group that found companies with four-day work weeks had higher profits and production, better recruitment and retention. Though bills in California and the U.S. House to lower work weeks have also been introduced in the past and failed. Jeff Manasso, Fox News. It feels like there's a sweet spot somewhere between 32 and 100 hour work week, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, in it's, it's it's interesting. They're talk, you know, they talk about stress and burnout and, and all of those things. And I, you know, I very much get it. But it does seem like there's a, a middle ground in there where it's and, and some people, are, it depends on the type of job that you've got, obviously. Yeah. Um, but I mean, here, here's here's my overall question. If you go through and, and like you change the, the work week with everything, are you losing a fifth of your wages? Yeah. If that's... you're losing a fifth of your hours? So like if you're just a set 40 hours a week and now you're a set 32? Because, yeah. that, I mean, that doesn't feel very it fair. To the... If you're hourly or salaried, I guess. Right. Because yeah. that doesn't feel very fair to the businesses now that they're getting less time for you to to, to put now, in it, i guess depending on how efficient you are with your work time doesn't equal efficiency but and just to be a little more clear about what maryland is doing it's not a mandate that no, people no, no, can no, no, no. no i'm not saying you're yeah. saying that but it, what it is is it pr- proposes creating a pilot program in the department of labor that would incentivize the adoption okay. of a four-day work week so if you've got a big company, i.e. bigger than 30 employees, mm-hmm. if you transition to a 32-hour work week without cutting pay or benefits, mm. you get a state tax credit Okay, is, is how that works. You've got to stay in the pilot program for a year to receive a tax credit and a maximum of, of two years, uh, you get that tax credit. Um, so th- that's how it works. It's... it's uh, uh, it would be scheduled to go in effect in July if it would actually happened california introduced that as was mentioned as well and that one lawmakers changed the definition of the work week from a five uh five day eight hour long day to four for companies with more than 500 employees which for that one that would mean that that'd be a little different than what they're in maryland that would essentially mean you're getting overtime Mm -hmm. if you go over 32 hours and so that would be for for hourly employees so i don't know a little bit of a a micro trend we'll see exactly though i mean trend in that it's being introduced it's it's probably away from being sort of the rule and the norm at this point but there is some discussion that could be moving that way um mark brought this up here at the beginning of the show uh if you're going to see movies at an amc movie theater which yes there are none of those in lincoln at the time but uh this is a trend in the movie industry it may now be not the same price for every ticket 
in the house. Your next visit to the movies will cost you a bit more if you want better seats. AMC Theater Chains is rolling out Sightline at AMC, a ticket pricing initiative based on seat location within the auditorium. This is similar to what you would find at concerts and sporting events. Moviegoers will have the option to pay more or less for admission depending on where they choose to sit in the venue. The initiative kicks off Friday at select AMC locations. The seating price tickets go into effect after four in the afternoon and follows other entertainment venues in setting its ticket pricing strategy to sight lines for seating selections. Michelle Polino, Fox News. I mean, it does kind of make sense, doesn't it? We do that for basically every other viewing of entertainment situation. Like if you go possible. to a Husker game, you and go to a Husker, you go seat. to the Lead Center, yeah. right? You go to Pinnacle Bank Arena for a a concert, um, and maybe that makes it. But again, I ask the question, does this just mean that the the best seats just go up in price and everything else stays the same? Or does it mean the less desirable seats are actually going to go down in price? I think that's a, a big question. Like with this whole thing. front corner? Oh, yeah. The front the front row. I, like I, I said, I saw one of the uh, the Hunger Games movie movies in the front row. Like uh, we went and see, saw it the first weekend it was out. And so ended up in the front row. It does help with the recliners. Yeah. That helps because you're not craning your neck at least quite the same way, and you're just sort of laying down. But it's not it's not the best way. One to watch of my a movie. favorite changes to the theater experience has been like because it used to be you would pay, and maybe there are still places like this, but you would grab your ticket and then you were just at the the will of first come first right. serve when you walked in. Was was somebody saving seats yep. when you got in there? What did that look? I love being able to. Order a ticket online and know where you're going to pick be. my seat. Yeah, which I guess that's what AMC's trying to do is go. Oh, those are the seats that people are trying to buy first. Right. But yeah, if if I go in on a Monday and I'm ordering a, a Friday evening ticket and nobody else has got a spot in that theater, all right, I'm I'm in here first. Yeah, I'm still only going to like one two movies a year, Maybe. sadly. But but I I'd will go to say more this. if you guys would babysit Millie. Hey, we've offered. Yeah, you know, taking us up. <laughs> We're bored. We would be. Uh, we'd be glad to do that. But I will you tell you, you guys this. want a toddler and a puppy. The uh, that'd be fun. She's used to it. Uh, the the. But I'll tell you what. The recliners have been a game changer for me. Like that has been. If that sounded like a gimmick at the beginning, it is now an expectation mm-hmm. for me at the uh, movie theater. Like I don't know when the last because like I think Edgewood doesn't have them. I don't know when the last time I went to Edgewood for a movie was and just did the If I'm only going once or twice a year, I'm yeah. making sure I get the the comfort experience. I do really like that. I, so, yeah. D- Dealer Dave has got a question on the Rick Stein Recognition text line. But what are the best seats? I assume the, the Because we all know not I'd like front, to see Dave. their map, but like middle about on the part that starts to be the risers. Mm-hmm. I would say anywhere, I don't know, anywhere? Is it anywhere the whole middle of the risers? Is it anywhere on the risers? Like, how, if if you're picking anyway, anywhere, right, you're picking about halfway up or two-thirds of the way up, right, on the risers in the middle. I'm saying in the middle, slightly above halfway. Yeah, to, halfway to two-thirds of the mm-hmm. way up is prime time. And if, I, if I'm erring on, okay, that's not available, I will stay in the middle and go up a little. I was going to say, would you rather go lower or would you rather go to the side? If you had to move 
move away. Lower versus the side? Yeah. I would go to the like, side. Like the aisle? Yeah. So the, the distance and the height is more important than... Yeah. Because if you get too close, it's the same thing we've yeah. talked about with the TV. There's only so much your brain can actually comprehend. Right. That's why I like I can't get too close. Even with being able to recline, it's like, that's, that's not even going to be worth it. Unlike my TV at home, which is... I don't know what it is, but I can't. It's, I don't know. It's eyesight or what, or if I've been spoiled by big TVs. <laughs> you know, we got a fine size TV. It's not like gaudy or huge. It's maybe a touch bigger than the ones that we've got in here, which mm-hmm. I think maybe are 27 inch uh, in our living room. But I sit back on my couch and I try and watch it at the back of the room, especially if I'm watching basketball or something. I'm like, I can't see. What is this? Yet. A TV? I don't, is, is that uh, is that is that Derek Walker or Sam Hoiberg? I can't tell. <laughs> Uh, oh boy. Oh, look who's got, we got another concert ticket controversy. Uh, the, the Swifties are done with theirs, but now, oh boy. And now it's not that they're mad at, uh, Ticketmaster. No, Bruce Springsteen fans are mad at the boss himself. The Bruce Springsteen fanzine known as Backstreets is closing its doors in response to Springsteen concert ticket prices. Backstreets announced Friday that the protest against Springsteen's dynamic pricing in an editorial from editor-in-chief Christopher Phillips, which read, if you read the editorial Backstreets published last summer in the aftermath of the U.S. ticket sales, you have a sense of where our heads and hearts have been, Spirited, downhearted, and yes, disillusioned. The protest comes after the Rockers manager defended having tickets that went for nearly four thousand bucks. <laughs> Michelle Polino, Fox that's, News. That's why they call him the working class's rocker. Four thousand dollar tickets. <laughs> Singing songs about getting under the hood of the car. Just your you know, everyday that kind man. of thing. Uh, last but not least, well, we now know what's going to happen in the Super Bowl. If you believe the Madden video game, they did the official simulation. Oh, I thought you were going to talk about the leaks that came out a few days ago. Uh, on what? Because they started talking. There was a, so much talk the last couple of weeks about how scripted is the NFL actually oh. scripted. And someone went through and they posted and because it's on the internet, you know, it's true. It, the script of the NFL championship. Of, of the Super Bowl? Of the Super Bowl. What's going to happen? Eagles win by three. Okay, well, let's see what Madden said. EA Sports releasing their annual Super Bowl prediction using the current rosters in a simulation of the Kansas City Chiefs and Philadelphia Eagles in their Madden NFL 23. They predict Philadelphia Eagles are the Super Bowl champs. The stars of the simulated game, Chiefs QB Patrick Mahomes with 29 passes for 249 yards and one touchdown. And Eagles wide receiver A.J. Brown catching eight passes for 118 yards, also for a TD. When predicting the big game, it has been correct 70% of the time since they started at Super Bowl 38, but has been two and five in the last seven Super Bowls. Eamon Dignam, Fox News. All right. So the script and Madden. So the, says, take by the way, the script says the Chiefs will get up 10 nothing. They'll be up 24 to 13 at half. And then the Eagles it'll be a 37 34 final in favor of the Eagles. How do you script a football game? That, I, I don't know. <laughs> All right. 656. <laughs> that is it for the sound off. 32 degrees in the capital city. It is LNK today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. I'll just Malcolm Byron. 
You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, looking good weather-wise right now. As I said, 32 degrees on our way to a high of uh, 51. Our uh, forecast provider now says 53 tomorrow. A little bit of a break from the 50s, Thursday and Friday in the 40s and high 30s. But then back Saturday, Sunday, Monday, maybe Tuesday, maybe Wednesday, all at or right around that 50-degree mark. So it is going to continue halfway through the month, maybe even more, in February. All right, coming up, Joe Jordan, News Channel, Nebraska. He's uh, been been doing a lot of coverage of uh, what happened at the Target in West Omaha um, and, and kind of we know a little bit more background of what the scene was like exactly in that store and so he's going to give us some of the background on that from his coverage there so we'll talk to him coming up at 710 we'll have your morning drive that's brought to you by stonebridge insurance and wealth management where we will count down the five things that people are talking about today and then at 810 we will visit with nebraska head coach for football matt rule you will join us for the first time since taking over the reins in charge of Husker football. So we look forward to having him on the show as well. So that is everything that is coming up. As I said, 32 degrees in the capital city, right at that freezing mark. But now we have a check of news from Fox and Mark Vale in the KLIN newsroom. You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Prince on KLIN. Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O, morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, 708, welcome back to LNK Today with Jack and Friends. 32 degrees in the capital city. Glad to have you back with us. And uh, joining us right now from News Channel Nebraska is Joe Jordan, uh, investigative reporting on Nebraska news and politics. Good morning, Joe. How are you doing today? Good to, uh, good to have you uh, with us. Uh, let's, uh, Joe, let's get, into, um, let's get into some of your reporting uh, on this, uh, boy, just terrifying incident. Uh, incident probably is a weak word to use with it, but I don't quite know what else to, to call it that happened in Omaha. And I'm sure enveloped the tons of the discussion in news cycle in Omaha because it did around the state and, and country even, uh, with this, the shooter and target who, um, police, uh, did end up, uh, shooting and, and saving additional lives potentially with this in, entire thing. I know you've done some reporting, Joe, on, on just some more detail about what exactly happened and the timeline, and it's been a few days since we've heard much of anything on this, so could you just kind of give us the, the update on what we know about this now that we might not have known about in the uh, immediate aftermath of uh, the reporting on this? I think one of the more amazing items, Jack, was that from the time the first 911 call was received uh, at dispatch in Omaha until the shooter was shot and killed, it was seven minutes, which yeah. is pretty remarkable if you think about it. Um, and there was a uh, Omaha police officer fired uh, one shot and uh, uh, from his uh, service handgun. Uh, there was a state trooper, uh, quote-unquote, alongside him. Uh, and the two together, according to the police, as all this is, according to the police, uh, shouted 20 loud verbal commands in 15 seconds 
telling him repeatedly to uh, drop the weapon uh, in any variety of ways. Uh, he was holding an uh, AR-15 military-style assault, assault rifle, which he had bought just four days earlier at a Cabela's, uh, I think, in Omaha, but it wasn't totally clear where the Cabela's was, but I presume it was in, 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 in the Omaha area. Uh, so that was probably the most, in terms of the timeline, um, it was seven minutes from the time the first 911 call comes in until the officer uh, fires one shot and kills him. Uh, it's also pretty clear now, having heard from his uh, relatives, basically one of his, uh, an uncle, that uh, the gunman had severe, uh, and I use that in quotes because I, you know, it's always hard to say, but according to the uncle, had severe mental health issues, possibly uh, including schizophrenia. And uh, for whatever reason, uh, and I'm sure there's plenty, uh, he wasn't able to get the help that uh, he needed, or if, if he was getting help, he walked away from it. Who knows if he was on medication? Those things, all those things haven't quite come out yet. Uh, but he was, you know, from what we understand from at least this one relative, uh, the shooter had uh, extreme uh, mental problems uh, that were not able to overcome and wound him walking into that uh, Target store in West Omaha um, a week ago today, actually, uh, and um, pulled into the parking lot. Uh, I think the timeline was 1149 uh, is when he showed up, and then he was first spotted on a uh, oh, another camera in, in, from Target uh, seven minutes later, uh, taking a uh, cardboard box out of the car and walking into the grocery part of the uh, the Target store, and then a few minutes went went inside the store, came back outside the store. Uh, then he went when he went back in, he started firing a couple of rounds off, uh, supposedly at a Target employee, and then a couple times up in the air. Uh, it's not 100% clear he was actually trying to shoot anybody. Uh, maybe he was, maybe he wasn't. We don't really know and probably never will know. Uh, he, he fairly fired a, one of his rounds at a drink cooler. And uh, that was when I think one of the first, that's right after that was when the first call went into uh, to Douglas County that uh, there was an active shooter inside the Target building. And then police got there at 1159. Uh, or they, I'm sorry, they assigned a unit at 11:59, and then uh, it's 12, 12:06. Six minutes later, a uh, uh, police officer from Omaha shot and killed him. Hmm. Uh, and one other remarkable thing about this: uh, within 46 hours, that Target store reopened. Wow! Which was amazing, I think, on a lot of fronts. Uh, first of all. Uh, from what I understand, I've not, I was actually at the Target store when it reopened. I, I didn't go back inside, uh, but it's my understanding that you would not know uh, that there was any incident that had occurred there. Now, unlike the uh, Von Mauer incident in uh, 2007, where you had uh, eight people were, were killed, uh, you had one person killed here, so obviously there's, I don't mean to sound crass about this, but there's less quote-unquote cleanup to do. Uh, whatever gunshots were fired, apparently were you can't you wouldn't know there were any gunshots fired inside that target store. Hmm. Uh, so they got things back on track relatively quickly there. And um, you know, the Omaha Police Department from people I guess there were 
not a guest, we were told there were 250 employees and customers inside that Target store when this happened, and they all literally were running for their lives out the door, uh, and their their ability to congratulate and applaud and thank the Omaha Police Department is, like, unparalleled. Uh, there's been no ill word spoken about the Omaha Police Department's handling of this incident. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not surprised. And the the other thing that even adds to that is I I, I noted in your reporting uh, when it discussed the the officer giving verbal commands, like you said, uh, twenty times within a, a period of it sounds like less than a minute. That there was uh, at least the the reporting indicates that the man with the gun did make verbal verbal threats to the officers at that point. Is that am I saying that correctly? Yes, he he said something to the effect of uh, "I'm going to kill you," uh, and then it, it, and they were screaming at him. I presume they were screaming, mm-hmm. you know, put down the gun, drop the weapon, however, however, however they were phrasing it. Uh, but it, but they were they shouted these twenty commands like in fifteen seconds, mm-hmm. and then I presume it was both the trooper and the officer were yelling to put down the gun, put down the gun uh, simultaneously, probably. Uh, and, uh, he wouldn't put it down. And I think when he said, I'm going to kill you is probably when the officer fired. Now uh, you, you, you referenced some of the things that the uncle had talked. He had, he had, uh, done some media about that, but do we know anything else about, uh, about Jones? He's the, he's the deceased, uh, gunman yeah. in this situation. Do we know any, like normally you, you see uh, people, we're pulling up social media and pulling up previous incidents and all this other stuff. Do we know anything else other than what the uncle had to say? Uh, I, I've not seen other than what the uncle has had to say. Uh, I presume, I mean, Omaha police have maintained, uh, even as late as last Friday, when they uh, put out the timeline from what occurred that Tuesday, uh, they continue to say this incident is under investigation. So I, I, I'm thinking that somewhere down the road uh, they may release more information about his background and how it got to this point. Because obviously the lingering question is, could this individual have received any assistance or help or whatever to avoid what what occurred? It's still remarkable. I, I, I don't think I'm, I know I'm not the only person that thinks this. It is remarkable that no one else was injured or killed in this incident. I mean, it is... Somebody walks into a Target store with a AR-15 and starts firing, and nobody else gets even scratched is incredible. Yeah. Um, given the uncle's comments, I would be, um, uh, if and when red flag laws come up again in the Nebraska legislature again, I'm sure this is going to be referenced. This is an issue that's been discussed most of the last several years in the Nebraska legislature. I believe Senator Morfeld was the last one to, to bring up a bill on this. But, Joe, I'd, I'd imagine that given given what the uncle had to say, uh, I heard some of his interview on KTV, but given what he had to say, this is probably going to play in that discussion a lot, I would think. I would think so, but to be honest with you, I'm not sure it's going to make any, I don't know if they're going to have any traction with it or not. Hmm. Uh, You know, the the legislature, I I think it's fair to say, is probably more conservative now than it was, you know, the last two, three, and four years. And I'm not sure that there's any momentum uh, in that direction because uh, usually the the conservatives' view of this is that uh, 
uh, people who should have a gun um, still should have a gun, mm-hmm. and um, they they fight back against that position. Now, could that change? It, I would be surprised, but I suppose it could change. But but I do think you're right. I t- think that uh, this incident will probably spark more of those discussions. Yeah. Um, uh, let's go to some other things happening right now in the legislature and, and kind of taking center stage as a committee hearing last week when it came to, um, what's going to happen with abortion in Nebraska and the bill, uh, that Senator Albrecht's the, uh, heartbeat act LB 626. It sounds like Joe, and maybe you can explain this a little bit for the listener that there's some specific dispute about just a, a few words that are in the, uh, in the bill right now, what they mean and how will the, how they'll be interpreted. What is, uh, what is that all about and what was happening at the committee meeting with those last time around? And it was interesting uh, because usually on the hearings, uh, for those who don't know, uh, whoever's presenting the bill, in this case, Senator um, Joni Albright from, from Thurston, uh, the senator makes, gives a you know, three, four, five-minute uh, speech, so to speak, explaining what the legislation is. And they, and they ask, that, and they, first of all, they ask any of the state senators on the committee if they have any questions. Usually, you know, I think it's fair to say 90 times out of 100, the questions are relatively passive uh, and the discussion is relatively, you know, uh, noncommittal. But in this case, uh, uh, a couple of the state senators, specifically Senator uh, Michaela Kavanaugh from Omaha, was challenging uh, Senator Albright on three specific words in the bill. According to uh, to the legislation, the Nebraska Heartbeat Act, which basically would ban abortions after six weeks once and once a uh, a heartbeat can be detected uh according to that legislation an abortion could be performed if quote reasonable medical judgment those are the three key words reasonable medical judgment that the mother's life is at risk then an abortion could be performed senator kavanaugh thinks uh that that basically makes it impossible for doctors to uh, perform abortions, because in her view, uh, there's going to be a lot of second guessing going on. If, if a doctor performs an abortion, someone's going to say, well, you didn't use reasonable medical judgment. What exactly does reasonable medical judgment mean? And uh, she challenged Senator Kavanaugh, challenged uh, Senator Albright on that. Uh, and Senator Albright's response was basically, well, we're going to have to do agree to disagree. And um, that's pretty much where it was left. But I do think, uh, I, and I'm assuming, I don't think incorrectly, that this legislation is going to uh, wind up on the floor. Uh, uh, could it be? Could it be altered? But between now and t- getting to the floor, it could be. But I do think if it, if it stays as is, uh, those three words, reasonable medical judgment, uh, are going to be heard again and again and again from the opponents especially saying that uh you know who decides what's reasonable when it comes to determining whether a doctor performed uh you know correctly or not so um the bill the, the technicalities in the legislation are going to become really clear as uh as, as Ross Perot famously said all those years ago, the, the devil's in the details. And in this legislation, that's where this is going to wind up. But people are going to be uh focusing in on certain specific language within that legislation. And and just to put those words in context, if I'm understanding it right, it's a, it's reasonable medical judgment, but it's reasonable medical judgment that the mother's life would be at risk. That's what they're yes. qualifying, correct? 
Yeah, am I right on right. that? Okay. Yeah, and, and I guess the question the question is, um, if you are going to have that kind of an exception, how how do you write that? How how do you write that where you know if 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 Senator Kavanaugh and maybe the doctors themselves are raising this issue, is there another way out there that you write that with that exception that is going to make people feel more comfortable? I don't know the answer to that. I know other states have probably done it and probably tried it that are out there, but. I'm just I'm just trying to figure out how else you write that exactly, and, and you've got to have I guess some standard to right. to to what that is, and I don't know what else that would be exactly. And a lot of time the law goes back to this standard of reasonableness. It's a really common a really common thing that you do in the law. So I, I just don't know how else they would do it exactly. Maybe there's a way, but I'm not sure. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I do think that that phrase is also the phrase that's in the uh, Texas bill uh, that became, you know, world famous. Um, Mm -hmm. So I I think that I'm I'm pretty sure that the the Nebraska Heartbeat Act isn't the, isn't the, uh, uh, where this phrase emanated from. Uh, Yeah. I think it's all, I mean, it's not only, yeah, it's not only that with abortion bills, but it's just, it's everywhere in the law. It is a standard of reasonableness, especially in, in a lot of civil cases and in some criminal cases too. It's just, uh, judges are interpreting that word constantly, um, because it's, it's this, this standard of care that is reasonableness as the standard. And so it's not like it's an unprecedented use. Uh, I, I'm not saying Senator Kavanaugh's argument is wrong, but it's certainly not an unprecedented use of, of that term in, in a similar situated law. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. so anyway, uh, all right. So that is, uh, so that's, that's still in committee, just sort of then, then the overview. You said you expect this to get to the floor where, uh, you, so you've had the hearing on on that, um, and so I guess just the next step is eventually it gets a vote at committee to see if it gets out onto the floor. Is that correct? Right, and I, the reason I think it gets out of committee is you've got uh, three of the seven people on the Health and Human Services Committee, of the seven committee members, three uh, have already signed on to the legislation. The only one that hasn't is the chairman of the committee, Senator Merman, and um my understanding is that he's pretty much pro-life. Yeah, probably hasn't signed on to the bill, and I'm I'm guessing a bit here. I haven't spoken with him, but I'm thinking he probably didn't sign on to the bill because he knew that it was going to be heard in his committee and his chair. He wanted to have some distance between you know supporting it and hearing it through. So yeah. that would be the fourth vote uh, at the very least in favor of the legislation to push it to the floor. Yeah. And then the question, because I believe uh, 29 lawmakers have signed on to the, the bill and, and have introduced it. So we're going to be talking about, you know, once again, one, two, three votes on this thing, right? If it does yeah, get to and, the floor. And one of those other, so, so Merman hasn't signed on to it. Uh, Senator Arch, who's the speaker, didn't sign it. And 31. I think that's, that's kind of typical because he's the speaker. And I mm-hmm. think, again, wants to have some distance on the legislation, which just leaves uh, two other Republicans uh, out there, and then we'll see see how that how that plays out with if and when, and I think it's more like when it gets to the floor. Yep. yep. All right. Hey, uh, Joe. Thanks for all the uh, insight and reporting there. We really appreciate it. Look forward to talking to you again next week. All right. Thanks, Jack. Take care. There you go, Joe Jordan, News Channel, Nebraska. Seven twenty six. LNK today with Jack and friends on KLIN. I like the local news because it doesn't get into all these politics. Get today's top news and sports directly to your inbox. Sign up for the daily at KLIN.com. All right, without any further ado, let's get things started with... Number five. 
Some Native American protesters were uh, at an area proposed housing site near Wilderness Park yesterday. Probably be back today. Lincoln police called yesterday after activists blocked equipment that had begun removing trees. Uh, so they work at a standstill. It's the Wilderness Crossing development. Protesters said they were told the tree removal work will resume today and the police will begin enforcing trespassing laws if that happens. Yeah. Um, and, and the protesters are, uh, are, are frustrated that they did not get an appeal hearing, a public hearing by the Lincoln Board of Zoning. The city has stood by its decision, basically saying, look, the Board of Zoning isn't going to come in and repeal what the city council and the mayor did on this thing as well. And so the city said, look, this is just, that's just not the proper channel at this point. And those who are protesting, obviously, they want to leave no stone unturned uh, in terms of what they might be able to do to put a halt to the development that is happening there. And so it looks, Mark, like everybody is set in their position right now there's there's not a lot of negotiating room left in this thing and there has been i mean i mean let's make it clear there has been a lot of discussion a lot of negotiation on this uh the developers made some changes uh with with the project and the, the conversations have happened but sometimes conversations don't don't end up in everyone being satisfied with the process or the end result and that sounds like what is happening here and so you're right mark the the the, they basically said lpd is going to be called again today if they're there this time they will enforce trespassing laws if they're out there again and so i wouldn't be surprised at all if you've got um pictures and and video and and arrests uh, of people who are protesting there today which I'm sure nobody would would like to, if you're on the city side. You definitely don't want to see that, um, just from a, a PR perspective. But I would not be surprised if that's what happens here with this thing. So you probably got it pretty well. Uh, yeah, uh, but scoped out there. It's a development too. This is uh, single family homes, townhomes, apartment units, some commercial space as well. Um, and and this was land that the developer. Just to be clear, this is land that the developer did buy. Uh, they actually got it from the Catholic Diocese of, of Lincoln. Uh, they had the land before, and so it is. They they do own the land. There are just kind of other disputes about the location and what kind of, uh, how it would interfere with some of those uh, sacred grounds that are nearby in, in that situation and, and the sweat lodge and how it would impact those sorts of ceremonies in an area, if you've driven by it, that feels, you know, Feels out in, you know, kind of out there right now. There's not a lot of development right there uh, as it stands now. It's across the across the road, I believe, from that yeah. uh, sacred ground, but right. still in the proximity that is uh, as the uh, and that's the complaint yep. on on this whole thing. And so, yeah, that could that could uh, esca- I don't know if escalate is the right word, but that could be something today where you're you're hearing about some arrests that that go there if the protests continue. Number four. New baseball softball complex uh, getting closer to uh, fruition. Cleared a hurdle uh, yesterday, or, or will, uh, hopefully. 
uh, city council held the public hearing uh, about the lease for the property and ARPA funds from the city and county that would pay for a portion of the project. Mm-hmm. I believe that vote is coming up then uh, for uh, consideration yeah. at the next meeting. Um, Samantha Burnt at ten eleven has got a complete story on it, and I think you've got a little bit of a, uh, a little bit of insights from some of your discussions with yeah. Jeff Mall as we've, well. We've talked to to Jeff Mall at at um, uh, about this a whole lot, and this is something that that for his purpose for Visit Lincoln, they've been a big advocate of, and I can understand why as well in terms of the potential that it would have to draw sports tourism into the city to draw hotel night stays to draw those things and just also to just an area that's i mean admittedly about quality of life without a doubt it's it's about quality of life for people living here but one where lincoln is is quite a ways behind uh other communities in this thing but you're right arpa money would be involved it's 27 million dollar Project and the portion of that that would involve ARPA funds would have to be approved by the city council. And so those votes will be coming here next week. And you get that part of it. And then they've got a obviously, there's a private funding component that goes with this as well. And this was something that they, you know, if you went back to the 25, 2015 visioning um, committee, I remember going to some of those public meetings and they were talking about the arena and they were talking about. Um, the, the Breslau Ice Center and all of those things, and there was always sort of contemplated in this general area an actual sports complex for outdoor sports that was contemplated in this area. Uh, but you know, you spent a lot of money. You know, you did a lot of fundraising. You spent a lot of money. You used a lot of tax money on on some of those other projects as well. And so you kind of had to do it piece by piece. And so this would be kind of a next step in that whole visioning some almost almost 15 years ago now of that area yeah, and and just to clarify the the land lease city owns the, the property they would be leasing it to the sports complex for 35 years okay so that's there's there was some confusion initially but the sports complex was how it was all going to come together but that's the yeah that's the crux of the lease portion and they don't have a uh like a title sponsor name yet for the complex right no they're just it's called the lincoln youth uh lincoln youth complex is what they're calling it right now but well, i think for, that's, for now yeah. yeah yeah for the time being but yes i'm sure they would be interested in having something like that mm-hmm. uh that would help doing this and and, and and again, and just to repeat, like, yeah, it's a it's a very much quality of life issue, um, and you know, some of those things you need, some of those things that you don't need at the time. But I will tell you, as uh, going to a lot of youth baseball games over the years, Lincoln just doesn't, Lincoln just hasn't kept up. Lincoln has not kept up, and I'm not talking about not kept up with Omaha. I'm talking about not kept up with Seward, not not kept up with Fremont. Not kept up. You know, frankly, just pick your town. Mm-hmm. Pick your town where they yeah, haven't. It's kept not up. only quality of life; it's also tourism. Yeah, that's a yeah, that's a you know, it's that's a, a big part that, of it too. That's a yeah, big there's part. People, there's gobs there's gobs of money in these things, um, and we, we've been sending a ton. You know, we've been sending a ton of it too. Council Bluffs, Council Bluffs Iowa, because they got a huge facility. The Nebraska State Championship. Nebraska State. Uh, yes, summer, summer, summer based youth, youth yeah. baseball championships. Every year of it, I went to a lot of years of it. Every year in Iowa, Council Bluffs, Iowa. So, all right, moving on. Let's see what else we got going on today. Number three, 
proposal in the legislature would cut some red tape for food truck owners who face what State Senator Tony Vargas says is a patchwork of regulations. His bill, 740, would require the Department of Agriculture to maintain a list of areas that have food truck ordinances and establish a reciprocity agreement for some counties. Complete uh, report from the the Nebraska Examiner about something that uh, we've all talked about several times, uh, making it easier for food trucks to operate. Yeah, one of the things that I didn't realize on this, um, the the Center for Rural Affairs is actually one of the entities that is very supportive of this because you've got you've got a, a bunch you've got different regulations in municipalities all over the place for food trucks in the state of Nebraska, which can be you know uh, multiple health zones. Um, all all these these sorts of things they have different standards for the entire thing and so it's a, with a mobile truck obviously you're dealing with different ones and it's hard to hard to be sure that you're in compliance and so they're saying this would be a big deal especially for rural food truck owners or those who want to be doing business in in rural Nebraska that they're <laughs> you've got different villages different clerks different, uh, all kinds of different entities you're dealing with. Like, you know, a rural food truck could be in in five different villages in a weekend, right? Sure. Uh, or, or have five different sort of governing rules from a, a Friday to a Sunday on, on this whole thing. And so the, it, it, this is kind of clarifying things to being a, a one-stop shop for these sorts of things. So be cool. I like, you know, and, and a lot of these places do eventually want to be brick-and-mortar restaurants as well. That's how we've seen in Lincoln. I mean, that's how we've seen a bunch of these start. Some of the more successful, in, in fact, uh, what, two of the last four Munch Madness finalists have been food trucks turned into brick and mortar restaurants. Hey, so. well, whatever helps get more of these awesome food options available to us across the city. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see where uh, that goes. It, previous iteration of this uh, didn't get out of committee. We'll see if there's enough support for it to do that this time. Number two. Fox Television says all the commercial time for the Super Bowl has been sold. 90% of it actually sold by the end of last summer. Somewhere between 6 and 7 million, the average, for a 30-second spot. Uh, Mark Evans, executive vice president of ad sales for Fox, said last year had tons of cryptocurrency commercials, but yeah. there's zero representation really? this year. It so. was all over last year. They had Matt Damon. Remember the Matt Damon yeah. one? Matt Damon. Yeah. That's crazy. I bet there'll still be some Bud Light ones, though, Mark. Doritos, Bud Light. Yeah, Doritos. Remember when they brought back Spuds McKenzie? <laughs> I mean, I, you know what? I, I missed the Bud Bowl. You remember the, the Bud versus Bud Light beer bottles? We watched yeah. a bunch of those YouTubes in here. <laughs> I got so excited for that when I was like a, uh, an 11-year-old kid. <laughs> I was like, who's going to win the Bud Bowl this year? I can't wait. So there you go. And, of course, the Slime Bowl is also on this year. So. Oh, is that the, what Nickelodeon's yeah. version of, of the coverage yeah. as well? And pup, Puppy <laughs> Bowl and all of that. So They've done a lot of that uh, lately. They must have had some success with the Nickelodeon, it's audience. mildly entertaining to, to switch over to that every I haven't ever done that, but I've heard people who do. <laughs> Number one. And we're going to get some firsthand UNL football uh, conversations going here in, what, about uh, 20 minutes? Yep. Head coach Matt Rule going to be your guest at eight ten. Yeah, I, I, I don't know, Caleb, and, and I don't know that we'll get <laughs> complete answers because a lot of it sort of depends on on what happens and how things kind of 
fall out over the course of the spring. But now that we are through this period of putting the staff together and you finally you had a few more administrative hires just recently getting the recruiting class completely done completely signed and now you're in a little bit of that that lull until spring football just in terms of news mm-hmm. um, w- w- going into spring what is what are the stories of spring? What are you most interested in in during spring football? Well, obviously, you've got the the quarterback. They brought in a quarterback despite the starting quarterback coming back, and, and you're not going to necessarily be able to evaluate Casey Thompson at all through the spring. So besides not being able to evaluate him, how do you evaluate over 100 scholarship players when you may not have met everyone in person yet, and some of them might not get here till the summer? How do you? What does that evaluation period look like through the spring? And as you get into the summer, how are you able to work with an offensive line coach coming back when we saw the offensive line play not quite be up to par, up to be what you would have wanted a year ago? How does that change now when you do utilize a new offensive system coming in? Defensively, are you able to replace some of those guys that you're losing? Are you? A, what does it look like when you don't have a Garrett Nelson out there and that energy on yeah. your defense? Whole what, bunch of newcomers in the front. Yeah. yeah. So, so there are a lot of questions and storylines all over the place. Obviously, on the football field, but man, the, the the biggest one there has to be: How do you evaluate the quarterback position? How do you evaluate so many players across the board, scholarship and walk on? Yep. Yep. 100%. So we'll uh, we'll get into all sorts of things, I think, with him. Um, hopefully get some, some answers to those questions we have. I think hopefully get to know him a, a little bit better, too. Like, I'm sort of curious, honestly, uh, about just sort of what the, what the life experience is of coming in, the whirlwind of, of starting this job when he did, mm-hmm. having, you know, putting together a staff, a recruiting class, Becoming familiar with the existing players in the existing roster, right? And then you and all of the staff around you sort of planning logistically on... This is stuff outside of your job, but relocating, all the logistics of relocating, relocating families. I know he's still got his family elsewhere right now, and, and they'll be coming later, but they're finishing up some things right now. Like, what a chaotic... It's just been two months, hasn't it? Just, what, like, what a chaotic two months. It seems longer than that to me. I can't imagine what it feels like to him. I, I'm I, I'm just fascinated with what that whole yeah. process is is really like. And talking about drinking out of a fire hose, <laughs> uh, that's that's really what it's been. And wonder how many recruiting trips he's made. Yeah, that's a good question. He's. I mean, he's been. We know he's been. Done we a lot of Texas. Done Arizona. a lot of Arizona. Done a few. Done a few places right here in Lincoln. Right when he started, I, wasn't it? Hasn't he been to Texas? Yeah, been to Texas a yep. lot. Yep, yep. Uh, been a lot of places, and he said, uh, sent Ed Foley out in his in his car. I don't know what he's taking actually, but taking Bad that out deal. to taking that out to high schools. All I mean, just a, a, a huge amount of high schools in the in the state of Nebraska and the surrounding areas, just kind of establishing relationships with coaching staffs and and those sorts of things as well. So. Yeah, they've been busy. I'll tell you what's at the top of my list of things I need to know from Coach Matt Rule. Today, February 17th, what's his aw yeah request line Friday pick? What is dedicate what, long distance dedication, dedication out there to, to you know what I want to know I want to know if he has his own ping pong uh, paddle that he carries around in a case just or oh. if it, or if he just picks up whatever they got 
whatever they got at the recruiting house or at the at the player lounge. He seems, or, he seems like the guy that, yes, has his own paddle, but no, it's not in a case. It's just in the back pocket ready to go at all times. Be sure and invite him. Guy. Be sure and invite him back. You know, it'd be nice to have him on a regular basis. That would be nice. That would be nice. All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll get to know him to start and introduce ourselves to him, and and uh, look forward to asking him some questions. So that's coming up in about fifteen minutes. All right, we got to take a break now. It's LNK today with Jack and friends. That's it for your morning drive. Brought to you by Stone Ridge Insurance and Wealth Management on KLIN. When- You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, 31 degrees in the capital city. Uh, Matt Rule is uh, coming up next, 810. And uh, we'll have a little time to reflect, go back over what he uh, had to say at 835. Get John Baylor off today, but look forward to uh, talking to Matt Rule. Uh, A couple of heads up as well. Tomorrow's What Chaps Your Hide Wednesday, so don't forget to jump on Facebook, facebook.com slash LNK today if you're not liking it already. Jump on there and you have a chance to tell us what's chapping your hide there. And Friday is Request Line Friday. The theme this week is Valentine's Day. So we are the uh, last weekend before Valentine's Day and maybe a weekend where you're going to be celebrating Valentine's Day since it falls, what, a week from today on a uh, on a Tuesday. And so... That song, especially if you use something you associate with Valentine's Day, something especially romantic, something you want to do a little bit of a dedication to your Valentine early, you can do all of that with Request Line Friday. Uh, but it's time to text in those songs now or as soon as you figure out what it is, along with the dedication if you have one. And the Rickstown Recognition hotline, text line, I should say, is open for that now and will be 24-7 leading up to Request Line Friday at 402 479 1431 degrees on our way to a high of 51. Sunny skies in the capital city looking beautiful. 8 o'clock, KLIN Lincoln. Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O. Morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, welcome back. Happy Tuesday morning to you right now. 30 degrees in the capital city. Sunny skies. We're going to be back in the 50s later today. Things are looking good. Spring is near. Spring football is getting kind of near. And uh, a man who will be, be figuring largely in that and and uh, has only been here two months. My goodness. It seems like a lot longer to me. I don't know what it feels like to him. Nebraska head football uh, coach Matt Rule joins us right now. Coach Rule, good morning. How you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me on. Good. Two months. Seem like more than that. Seems like more than that to me. <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm, 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 I'm day by day, morning by morning right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, so we're glad to have you. I wanted to introduce you to, to our, uh, we, we, we're the, uh, we're the hometown affiliate for, for Nebraska football for, for your team. And we realized we got a lot of commonalities with you. Now, number one, I'm, I like you. I'm a pastor's kid. I'm, I'm about the same age as you. So I've got that. In fact, in your, in your, uh, your, your opening remarks, you referenced, uh, what was happening and, and what you were doing in August of 1983, August 29th, 1983, to be exact, uh, at the kickoff classic going to that. I was, I was, I was not there but i was a a six-year-old pastor's kid oddly passionate football fan that wanted nothing more than to uh beat penn state that i had just learned what bad calls were the year before uh so i i'm in the uh i'm in the same boat as you and the guy to my left our traffic guy chris lofgren say hi chris 
Hi, coach. Try again, Chris. Hi, coach. He, uh, Chris, you, hey, Chris was, uh, Chris was at the game. You may have seen him, Chris. You were the, uh, you were the coach of the cheer squad at yeah. that point, right? Yeah. At East Rutherford, New Jersey. We had a lot of stuff going on that day. It was. We were also celebrating my wife and I our wedding, and so it was a, a working trip. So I had to go to the game, and I also worked for the alumni association at the time. And we had uh, the cheer squad, and then I, my responsibilities were hosting the uh, Husker pep rallies before away games, and we had a pep rally in Central Park in New York City. Wow. That was really fun. Wow. Right, yeah. uh, right, your, right by your stomping grounds there, Matt, at that point, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then uh, and then we got our, our news guy, Mark, who this is interesting because I know your family came moved east from, from suburban Kansas City. Mark, at that time in 1983, was managing a radio station in Topeka, Kansas, WIBW, that your, your folks might have listened to uh, K-State Royals or K-State football on. Uh, right, Mark? Do I have that right? The information right there? Pretty much, yeah. yeah. It was uh, about that time that I got into the Kansas uh, market. So welcome uh, to Nebraska, Coach. Looking forward to a great season. Thank you. And then, and then Caleb Henry, our our sports director, who was not alive at that. I'm point. the baby he's, millennial. He's our okay. millennial. We got the two boomers. <laughs> I'm the ex. He's the uh, he's the millennial. So uh, so Caleb, uh, take it away. What do you got? All right, well, coach, because I'm the sports director, I'll actually ask you a question here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so you guys have been here, and I just I'm very curious where that desire comes from for you, and you've you've obviously done it other places, but. To make an, an impact in the community, make yourself known to a, a local community, your presence known across the state with all of the high schools. Um, you've been at other Husker events. Like, where, where does that desire come from for you to be known and be part of a community, even though you've only been here a couple of months? Well, I, I'd say, first of all, it's not to be known. You know, um, it's, you know, but I am part of the community. I live here, right? So, um, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm just a regular guy. Like I, I went to the, the basketball game the other day because I wanted to watch it. You know, I wanted to watch the game, right? I wanted to, you know, I wanted to see the basketball game. And then I walked, you know, I'm running a little apartment downtown. I walked home afterwards, and people were kind of like shocked that I'd be walking with the people, you know, home. And I'm like, well, I'm a person, and I have to get home. So like, you know, so I, you know, I think, I think like a little too much is probably made of it. But that being said, when you talk about the community, I, you know, I do feel a, a strong part of like all of our lives should be to impact the community and leave a place better than we found it. So um, anyway, that I can do that. I'm, I'm proud of all the student athletes here at uh, the university of Nebraska. And so whether it was going over to UNO and meeting the hockey team, whether it was watching the women's tennis team last week, whether it was watching gymnastics, women's basketball, football, then the track meet, like I'm only going there to support the student athletes. A, cause I like to watch sports, but B, you know, I see these kids, I see them in the training tables, I see them training. And so, I want to, um, you know, I want to support them, right? So, because I want them to be seen. So, it's nothing special like, hey, I want people to be like, wow, Coach Rule's awesome or Coach Rule's great or anything. I just, I'm going to go enjoy, you know, living my life and I'm going to go to dinner and I'm going to go see shows and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do what everyone else does. Hey, Coach, what a, you, you mentioned, you know, being in an apartment and your family's not here, here yet. And I know you also have a bunch of assistants that are there that are probably managing kind of the logistics of, of relocating at different times and all the things. Like, I know nobody, I know you don't want to be a, you know, kind of a woe is me or woe is us sort of a situation, but like, legit, what is that, that 
that situation like for you and your staff where you're sort of managing the logistics of your life and then going like drinking from a fire hose right away with this job as well when it comes to recruiting, meeting your current roster, you know, working in the transfer portal, finishing out your staff and those sorts of things. Yeah, the work's the work. The work's fun. I mean, it's, you know, this is what we like to do. I mean, I like to, I like to recruit. I like to get to know new people. I like to get to know the guys on the team. Um, you know, we've been trying to do a good job of, of eating a lot of meals with the guys and spending time with the guys, whether it's, you know, last night we had, you know, meetings and then we had Chick-fil-A for everybody afterwards or, you know, going to breakfast and lunch with the guys or, you know, I've been, I've been trying to take a couple guys out to dinner here and there just to get to know them. So that, that part's fun. You know, the only part is, that's difficult is, as you said, like, you know, just, um, just not being around my kids, you know what I mean? Like, you know, I did this three years ago and now I'm back away from them for several months at a time. And, you know, every time you see them on FaceTime, they're a little bit more bigger, a little bit different. Yeah. So that, that part's not fun, but, um, you know, that's, you know, we have to make sacrifices in life and I'm, I'm hopefully doing it for the right reasons. Coach, you, you, we've, there's been a lot to do about watching the staff come together. Where, where were guys going to come in? Offensive coordinator, uh, different assistants, the support staff. And, um, we talked a lot about before you put your staff together, what the size of that assistant pool was going to be. But then we also watched the size of that support staff. What, for you, what's the benefit of having a support staff that size that's the biggest in the Big Ten conference? Yeah, well, we're, we're, we're not, we're, we're trying to do it, Georgia, Alabama and Georgia taught everybody how to win nowadays, okay? And so uh, you have to have people around, not, not, we don't have the 100 just like just analysts that are doing football. We have 100 or whatever, we have 30, 40. We have people here whose jobs are dedicated to either A, recruit athletes, or B, uh, have elite wellness, uh, elite player development, elite relationships. Because in today's age of the transfer portal, um, you, you better have a bunch of people in your organization that wake up every day and are saying, like, hey, what can I do for our student-athletes? How can I help their emotional well-being, their mental well-being, career well-being, life skills well-being? Um, so we have a bunch of people here um, that are grinding away at that. Um, a lot of staffs all over the country, that, that they're still putting that on the 10 assistant coaches like they did, you know, 25, 30 years ago, but – the world has changed. The, the, the parameters have changed, man. And like, mm-hmm. you know, they're burning out coaches. And so we, we have a bunch of people here. I mean, we, we work a lot of hours, but we do it uh, for the benefit of the student athletes. And so, um, you know, it's, it's different than maybe what was here before, but um, people want to be here. And, and most importantly to me, I want people that are waking up every day saying, you know, how can I serve the student athletes? How can I serve the men of Nebraska football? Coach, I'm, sh- I'm sure you've uh, spent obviously a lot of time over the last couple of months, you know, wa- look, watching film, you know, watching films of potential recruits, transfers, probably the existing team as well. You've gotten to meet meet these guys and, uh, and and those sorts of things, but you still haven't really got to watch them in person play football. And I know you've gone through this at other stops, but like, how, how far, how how big of a difference does actually being on the field, getting to see them practice once you get to do that in the spring? Uh, how, how far does that take you in really understanding sort of what you've got the character of team who these guys are yeah you know I, I think you have to reserve all judgment till then and, and more importantly a lot of guys uh who they are as who they are as 18 and 19 year olds is not who they will be as 21 and 22 year olds you know i've got i've got two kids uh, playing in the super bowl for the for the eagles one's on ir one's one's Hassan reddick who probably should be the defensive player of the year if you would have talked about both of those guys as freshmen or sophomores you would have thought well, maybe they'll be good college players. And then Hassan ends up a first-round draft pick. Sean ends up a draft pick. 
So, you know, good coaches and good staffs, they develop the student athlete. So, you know, right now I see, I see bodies changing. I see, um, you know, I see guys, you know, getting bigger, faster, stronger, hopefully more confident. Uh, we'll start our, you know, morning workouts with the coaching staff, not just the strength staff this Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And then as we get into spring ball, you know, a lot of guys, again, maybe they're in the right position. Maybe they're not. Maybe they need to lose five pounds, gain five. There's so many things. And so, you know, what I tell our staff is it's not their job to figure out who the starters are going to be next year. It's not their job to worry about the roster. It's their job to treat every player like their own son and say, hey, what's the best way that I can help him get on the field and be successful? And um, we'll do that for every guy. And, you know, what, what's going to be great is there's going to be some kids, you know, that maybe people aren't really thinking about that are going to end up being really, really good players for the Huskers um, just because of the way that they're working. I know the best mentality for for any profession is to just control what you can control in front of you. Is is there ever something as as you've gone through these first couple of months and going forward, just out of the corner of your eye, where the other coaches in through that coaching carousel, especially two that are going to be on your schedule with Deion Sanders at Colorado, Luke Fickle at Wisconsin. I know you talked about trying to play Madden, and all of a sudden there's Prime on there while you're trying to do stuff with recruits. But is there ever out of the corner of your eye just keeping tabs on where some of these guys are? Uh, not really keeping tabs. I think the one thing, you know, I mean, I got a lot of free time because when I do get home at night, there's no one there, right? You, normally I'm watching the the Real Housewives or something with my wife or watching a basketball game. Um, so I, I have a chance now. You know, I, I'll get on YouTube and, and coach uh, Sanders. You know, they, they have everything. They film everything, right? And so it's a, really, it's a really cool way of doing it. Kids that go there get a lot of exposure. It's not my way of doing it. Like, I would prefer not to have any cameras anywhere. I do put some in there and release some videos for the fans and recruits. And the guys on the team, right? But uh, they, they film a lot of stuff. And so for me, when I can, I, I love to watch it because it's, it's like, you know, watching Hard Knocks. You know, you have a chance to really see what, what your guys are doing. And, and that, to me, is, um, you know, just, you know, it's a chance for me to be a better coach, watch what other people are doing and saying to myself, hey, should we be doing this? Should we be doing that? So uh, any, any chance I get to do that, uh, you know, I definitely will. What's that experience like of, of, of watching your own team? I'm, I'm assuming you went back and watched, watched your own team in previous games, your own players that are coming back to get an idea. What's, what's that experience like? <laughs> you know, do you find yourself cheering for them? Are you impressed? What are you looking for at those moments? And, and obviously you know these guys now, but what did that experience kind of make you think about the guys that you do have come back who have, who have sort of been through the roller coaster of what this program's been the last few years? Well, you know, you're talking about the, the current Oscar. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's, you know, it's really what happened to this whole season because, you know, I knew I was obviously involved in this job, whether it worked out or not, I didn't know that. But, you know, so I watched all the games kind of, you know, trying to study the team and study kind of where the program was at. Um, you know, obviously we had kind of agreed that morning and then the, the Iowa game happened. So, you know, watching that game and watching the grit and character of both the coaching staff and the players, I thought said a lot. Um, but, you know, what I like to do right now is I, I literally, will, I, I, most of the guys on the team, I, I watch you know, kind of a cut-up from the season of them playing, and then I try to watch practices. I think you can learn a lot about a team from the way they practice. Mm. And then a lot of these guys, I go back and watch their high school huddle tapes, you know, like I watch their high school film. And, um, you know, it's, it's good. Some of the kids haven't played, but I can go back and see their high school film and see sort of what they can do. And, again, I'm not doing that to evaluate them. I'm doing that to help get them in the right spots or give them the opportunities that they deserve. By the way, what is it like uh, staying at your potential boss's house while you're sort of uh, deciding whether or not to keep the job? That had to be an interesting experience, huh? No, well, 
think that, uh, you know, uh, Angie Alberts made the whole thing uh, uh, be pretty elite. I mean, she, she picked us up, and she was, you know, we didn't know them, and she was so uh, kind and unassuming and friendly and gracious and, you know, like my wife is, my wife is like a perfectionist, right? So to like stay at someone else's house, like you know, just without knowing them. And but Angie just made it so, so good, so, so, so comfortable. I think that's a big reason why we felt comfortable about the job. You know, it was just spending that time with Trev and Angie and knowing that you know, at the end of the day, um, I believe being a head coach, you need to have an elite partnership with somebody. And so I had an elite relationship with my AD at Temple Packraft, an elite relationship with my AD at Baylor Mac Rhodes. And so I wasn't going to take a job uh, unless I had that sort of feeling about the next AD and um, probably spending the night. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm kind of a messy guy too. So, you know, my wife may be cleaning everything <laughs> right. up. And, you know, like you really got to feel like you got to make the bed really nicely when you leave. I feel no like and that kind of like not leave toothpaste stains, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Bounce a quarter off that thing. You know, like, <laughs> like, like, so. <laughs> but you you reference a little bit, and, and and I know Nebraska fans are really familiar with what you did at Temple, what you did at Baylor, and those transitions. You got a lot of people around you from those situations as well. Do you have any sense? But obviously, not every job is the same. Do you have any any sense of how this this you know I don't know if it's a rebuild is the right word or not, but what you're doing here is it is, is a different because everyone is going to be different. And I know a lot of people are going to say, okay, this is kind of the trajectory. This is how Rule does it. He goes through it. He hires these types of guys. This is what he does. Uh, but how is Nebraska, at least from what you can tell now, how does it feel a little bit different, though, even though I think you're probably hoping for the same result? Well, it's, let me say this. It's definitely a rebuild because, you know, they won, they won four games last year and three games the year before, and I can't, you know, three games. So that part of it, you know, like it's, it's not what was happening wasn't working. So it's definitely a rebuild. Now, what does a rebuild mean? It's, like, I think you rebuild your team every year. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I think every year you look at what you have and say, okay, what do we need to do? Um, I like the players that are here. Um, I think the team has been close at times, but that's a, that sometimes that can be a disease, right? The disease of being close, the close loss. Like, oh, well, we're better than no. At the end of the day, you have to play. Either you win, you lose, and you go from there. I will say this: when I walked into a temple with a team that I had been a part of, the, you know, a year before, but they were moving up in conference, right? So anytime you move up in conference, like, you know, like, like, you know, that, that's that's going to be difficult, you know, and so. Um, that was sort of the challenge early on, uh, was just we had to get the roster to where it's supposed to be. Um, when I went to Baylor, I was coming off a scandal. We had 45 players. We had, we had three offensive linemen when we finished that spring. I had to move two tight ends to offensive line. I played with two guys on the other line that were less than 280 pounds. I mean, you know, then I know that that season will always be on my record, but, you know, I was proud of what we did that year. We, that was hard. Mm-hmm. This is, to me, is, I mean, this is, this is a, a team that, that you know won four games that that probably could have won six, but um, that 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 has some good players. Um, you know, uh, I'm excited about where we are, and I don't, I don't, I don't believe that we have to lose. I don't believe we shouldn't have high expectations. We also shouldn't have, we shouldn't have. You know, like, I'm trying to teach these guys. We shouldn't have any expectations other than today. And it's so uncool. And you said earlier, control what you can control, but like really, the great ones, man, they just wake up every day and they worry about today. And so, those are the things that we're trying to rebuild: the players' confidence, right? The players. Uh, expectations. I'm not saying it was wrong. Just you know, I, I haven't been here with them, and the way I do it's different than probably how Mickey and Scott did it. Different than how Coach Riley did it. But I am only going to be able to teach what I know. It's not saying it's any better. It's just what I know. And if the players buy into it, then 
hopefully we have a chance to be a good team. Last last question for your coach. We'll appreciate your time. Uh, you're going to get a million questions about the quarterback position over the, over the next few months, and and you know I know you don't have, have an answer about it yet, but I, I, I guess what I always wonder is like it, it, you've got the you know you got a returning starter come back, you got a transfer coming in. I assume, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it, wouldn't it be a, a boon to have two guys with significant starting experience? on the roster come in the fall is that is that something that you really want to see is that kind of the hope with this whole thing or or i know you don't know how it's going to play out but i think a lot of people see that and they're like okay what exactly is going to happen with this yeah again when i say you know no, no expectations I, I really mean that like I, my job is to is to recruit the best players and and put them in in the rooms and so you look at the teams that are winning at a high level right now the georgias the alabamas the you know, Ohio State's to be quite frank, they recruit the best of the best and there's elite competition and, and, and then they let it they let it rip, right? So um, you know, talking about it doesn't really do much to, you know, for me. It's like, hey, we, we have to we have to uh, uh, recruit the best players. When Jeff Sims came available, just an elite player to me. I mean I just I've watched him. I think he's an NFL player. Uh, watching Casey play last year, I thought he played really, really well, you know, sometimes under really difficult circumstances. Mm-hmm. And so um we're going to coach them all. You know, I think that, you know, uh, when you watch the things that Chubba did, he did some really good things when he was in there. Um, again, it's sometimes in difficult circumstances. So it's as healthy a quarterback room probably as there is in terms of the depth. I mean, Richard Torres, Logan Smothers has played, you know, Heinrich Harburg is, is a really, really good athlete, one of the fastest guys probably in our combo group. So I've, I've never walked into a room this good, who plays and all that, but that, that's all going to be earned. Um, you know, so I, I think it's a good situation. I think it's a, a real benefit, and I'm excited to see those guys get out there. And obviously, Casey can't do spring ball, but excited to see Jeff and the guys who could do spring ball get out there and really start to learn this offense. Coach, I know you're busy. I appreciate your time. I uh, look forward to, to talking to you more. I don't know if you made any grown men cry like Satterfeld did when he was talking about the fullback, but you know maybe that'll come along <laughs> along the way because he definitely did that. There were definitely grown men crying in the state of Nebraska. I heard about it after the fact. Uh, but but do appreciate your time, Coach. Look forward to talking again, and best of luck. We're, uh, we're pulling for you as the affiliate. Thanks, guys. All right, there you go. Matt Rule, head coach, Nebraska football. All right, we got to take a break. 829. It's Snell K today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. Why do you listen to KLIN? Let us know with a voice message in the free KLIN app. Urologist Malcolm Byron. You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, 837. Thanks for joining back with us here on LNK Today with Jack and Friends. Thank you to Nebraska head coach Matt Rule for joining us. If uh, I've already got people asking me uh, if they missed part of it or didn't catch it, uh, if they could hear it. and it will, Nope, yes. I've decided to shut down the podcast. It's a, All, no, it's a no live more. listener exclusive. <laughs> no, no. We'll, we'll have the podcast up right after the show. podcast will be up uh, shortly. <laughs> Just give it us a few minutes to finish this radio show, and uh, we will get it up. But, uh, Caleb, just uh, I'm, I'm, I'm curious, just some initial reactions. We went went a lot of places there with uh, head coach rule and from from just kind of the the larger issues, the the life impacts of taking this job mm-hmm. to more of the specific stuff as we uh, drill deeper in the interview. Your reactions? Well, there, there's there's obviously the the football portion of it. Hearing the the quarterback that la- that last question there, uh, that's exciting to hear about Jeff Sims. You know, especially when you when you do have a quarterback coming back, but. He went through and named some other guys. And what was one of the names that he named uh, put in there? Heinrich Harburg. Talked about him being a tremendous athlete, one of the fastest guys they have there. It was almost like 
the coaches were trying not to say Heinrich Harburg a year ago or yeah. through this last fall. So you you know he's going through getting the getting to know the entirety of all of his rooms. Um, what like to me the football stuff is gonna gonna be the football stuff. Uh, to I was more interested in in some of that like what it's uh what it's like for his family and trying to move and get all of the those details organized him walking home the other day from a uh, from a game just walking on the street cuz he is he he talks about that and that's one thing that he has reiterated time and time again He's just another guy. Like he just wanted to go enjoy some some sports. He's going to walk back to his apartment. Wants to wants to go be part of these events, not so people so much see him at these events, but because he wants to enjoy it as a member of the community. To me, that's that's something that that's really nice to see. That it, it's not a bunch of bunch of show to just go look where this guy was. Look where he was here. Oh, he's got some other guys here. Let's make sure we get that up on social media. He's going to these things to genuinely support the other Husker student athletes in the community. Mm-hmm. To me, that that's something that's just wonderful to see. Yeah, um, couple of couple of takeaways in addition. Yeah, to to uh, what you said, it was it was interesting. Where I, uh, you, you know, I <laughs> I sort of hesitated to call it a rebuild, and and Matt Rule said, "Oh, it's a rebuild." Yeah, right. He, he calls it, I, a and, rebuild. and I, you know, I just I just I I, I was trying to to. And 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 deep in my heart, that's what I feel that it is too. But I was I I I didn't know if he would feel comfortable, you know, saying that or or putting words in his mouth. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he clarified that right away. Um, and and so that I thought was really interesting because there's been a lot about a lot of discussion about that. And then the rule build. That's good. Yeah. Get the get the t-shirts made right now. <laughs> and then I thought it was interesting. You know, I kind of set up that last question about the quarterbacks where I was. One of the things I continually think about is, man, if they could get the way to keep Sims and Casey Thompson on the roster, Nebraska has needed a backup with experience year after year after year after year, and they just haven't had it, it would be great. He didn't, I mean, he didn't necessarily jump on the bandwagon of what I was saying there. He was basically like, well, we let it play out, but the, you know, the, the odd thing about that is Casey won't be won't be practicing yeah, in the that's spring. That's what I've been saying. So. It's it's so hard to evaluate um not just that position and obviously that's a very high profile position. We've seen what things can look like if you're generally okay everywhere else and things start to fall apart because of injuries at the quarterback position. So you you want to have a couple of those guys, but how do you evaluate that let alone any position where you're seeing who may be the starter, who might be a backup kind of where the order shifts and you can't actually get a look at the guy? Until summer, maybe mm-hmm. until start of fall camp. How 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 does that look like if someone looks like they might really be the guy through the spring, and then someone might be right there ish with them, or they start to look really good in fall? How how does that play out? Right. Yeah. And not not just the quarterback position, obviously, but that's but, several other positions. But that's the one he's going to be he going to be asked about a lot, and it's just it's just such a bizarre scenario. Bizarre isn't the right word, but the timing is just off with the entire thing. Mm-hmm. Where you've got you've got Thompson and you've got this 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 transfer that he obviously likes and he's obviously very fascinated with, and it it could very well be that Sims comes in and he's you know he he shows out enough in spring that ruling companies say hey, based on what we've seen of this guy and this is the guy that we've seen in person, this is the guy that we're going to go with. Mm-hmm. What does you know? What does Casey Thompson do? Now, Thompson has decided to stay around 
for the time being. But that's obviously, that scenario is obviously one that he's considered at this point. And I mean, you don't think it's, I, I don't really see a scenario where outside of something, you know, an injury happening or something like that, which, you know, absolutely don't want, want that. But I don't really see a scenario where they go into the fall and, I suppose they could say still say it's an open open competition, but coming out of the spring, Sims is going to be the favorite to start. Yeah. Sims is going to be the favorite to start. And I guess you never know. You don't know what you don't know about the fall, but will that be enough, you know, whatever competition there is in the fall for Thompson, who's a guy who's started for a long time. He's been the guy for, you know, he was on and off a little bit at Texas, but obviously last year at Nebraska, He's he's getting to be up there in his age as a college student. Is he willing to potentially be the guy, potentially be the guy who's number two on the depth chart mm-hmm. if that happens? And what does that, what does his willingness to do that mean about his going into, uh, going into fall ball? That's, to me, that's really interesting. And, you know, as, as, as somebody who's following it, I really would like to see both those guys on that roster. I would I would feel a lot more comfortable with both of those guys on his right. roster because I've seen too many times with this <laughs> program where there wasn't experience depth built up at the quarterback position and it's cost the team games that it didn't have to cost them mm-hmm. at that point. So I that was an interesting answer as well. Well and and it's it's curious when you look at there's a finite window that you'll have over the summer if somebody were to want to go somewhere else. But but within that window, you still would not have seen Casey Thompson perform at all. Right. He still would have not played in front of your eyes your if you're head coach Matt Rule. So how like how exactly does all that do do you just is is there a conversation at some point where it is, hey, we've seen what we needed to see in person with Sims and what he looks like in a Nebraska uniform, yes. in this facility, in this stadium hey, we really like what we've got here. We're going to roll with this. It's up to you. If you if you stay here, Casey, you're going to be the number two guy, and we know what that looks like, that you're you're one hit away from being out there, but you're the number two guy going into fall. Like, how did, how, one, how does that conversation happen? But two, I know he's been at the NFL. I know he's he's been at Baylor and Temple, and he's done this for a number of years. How hard are those conversations to have? Yeah. With with, yep. with young men and let them know this is exactly where the pecking order is. I know you've been the guy for a few years, but theoretically, if that's that's the situation that comes up, I, I think Nebraska Nebraska's scenari- better if you have both of those guys. I don't. I just don't know how to think about what the scenarios are. Yeah, you know, uh, come out of spring. Is there a decision? You, I mean, I guess you probably you probably don't make it. As, what probably happens is you don't say anything coming out of spring. You don't declare a starter. Right. You let them compete in the fall. Maybe even if you know in your heart who the starter will probably be, mm-hmm. but you let them compete in the fall with the hope that one of them, one of them is is kind of a clear choice, uh, or or not not a difficult choice at that point. But that the other one, and I don't think Sims is leaving. I mean, just coming here, but yeah. that that if it's not Thompson, that he might still stay around and provide some. Some mm-hmm. depth, but he'll have a choice. I mean, he'll have another. Op- there'll be another. There'll be another transfer portal opening. Yeah. Uh, at the after spring ball, and there'll be definitely some exits at that point because it's just a reality of where the roster is right now and the nature of the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. Right. Now. Some people will see. You know, they'll get through spring ball and they'll 
have a better idea of what the future holds for them. Um, and it may not be that they're unhappy with Matt Rule or anything. It just you may get a better sense of where you are on the depth chart, and there'll be some departures about that. The other thing I thought was Wait, with over a hundred scholarship guys, it, yeah, it they is, have it's, to. It's there crowded. has to be some attrition, and that's one of the ways that'll. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't name happen. a starter till the the game week or the week. Hundred percent. Plus, plus it's gamesmanship anyway, right? Yeah, I, I mean, why why name it if you don't have to? Right. Even if you in, even if you but, know I mean, kind of behind closed doors, right? But that's that's what I wonder, just how the timing of that all plays out. That's kind of fascinating to me. Uh, number two, I thought it was really interesting when I was asking him to compare and contrast uh, the Temple and Baylor situations yeah. coming into you know the 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 rebuild, and and that was the question where he he clarified that he considered it a rebuild. But talking about how different, you know. He kind of set apart that Baylor, that Temple situation. Mm-hmm. He did, and those are both situations where, in his first year, if you look at it, they had remarkably similar trajectories. There, mm-hmm. he came in in those situations, and they had a rough first year. And then they had about a five hundred year, uh, and then they had a, as he would probably call it, elite year. <laughs> we need an elite bell, by the way, for the. Uh, <laughs> he, he dropped it. He probably dropped fifteen elites in that interview. <laughs> Uh, but that was, but he very much contrasted Nebraska, the roster makeup, where they're at this uh-huh. year from where where those two uh, schools were at, and they didn't win in the first year. They, yeah, they didn't, and he's distancing himself from what those situations were, and I think that's incur- probably going to be encouraging for it. Now, can they do it? We'll see. But you got a fan base that's impatient enough that hasn't tasted winning or fun uh-huh. or a bowl game. Or you know, got the win against Iowa, but beating you know Big Ten rivals a whole lot. That I think they'll be patient. I think they'll be patient with Matt Rule, but I think emotionally and deep down inside, they're impatient for this thing to get going fast. Yeah, they're impatient with the program, not so much Matt Rule. If things don't go well in year one, now I do think the big difference as he found a way to separate the Nebraska situation from those of Baylor and Temple is I don't believe at either of those other programs they brought in 40 new guys. Like when you add the recruiting class plus the transfer portal, because the transfer portal, yes, there were transfers, but it wasn't as easy as it is now with the portal and the one-time free transfer rule. So they weren't able to go and flip those in year one in the same way that you're potentially able to do at Nebraska. Now, remember, we saw what Mel Tucker did utilized the the transfer portal, had a pretty good year one. And that, I think, is some of the blueprint for coaches now that you have that availability. It doesn't have to be a full year one, let's hope we can get to 3-4, try to get to a bowl game. I think year one, they're realistically saying, yeah, let's get to a bowl game and figure it out from there. Mm-hmm. Let's get to that eligibility. I think that's, that's realistic for this team. Um, I was encouraged when... When we talked to, with him about the the support staff and everything else that goes on around the program besides just those ten assistants, listen, guys. As somebody who competed in in college athletics, no matter what the level is, you know not every school has the resources that University of Nebraska does, and so you see sometimes there is one person to help with with mental health at an entire institution. To go through and have all of those people available that are not just offensive and defensive analysts going to help out with special teams, but that support staff that's there to help out the coaches here or there with the recruiting, help out with the student-athletes themselves, 
and you're able to build those connections in a deeper way that we've seen it a number of times. If an assistant coach leaves, someone in that room might not be as tied to the head coach. Mm-hmm. You have these support staff, so you have so many more connections with all of these student-athletes. I, I had a great connection with my event coach in college. I didn't really have a connection with the head coach because it was a different head coach by the time that I'd got there than the one that had recruited me. I had better connections with the support staff in the academics office, the athletic academic office, than I did my own head coach. Those were the people that probably tethered me more to the program than even the head coach. Mm-hmm. So, yes, we're we're going to see them. A lot of the folks that come in those, whether it's a high school recruit or transfers, they're going to be tied to the coaching staff, tied to head coach Matt Rule. But that support staff is a giant deal behind closed doors that probably is never going to get the credit that it will properly deserve, but it is a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So there you go, podcast, if uh, if you didn't get a chance to to hear any of that in spring. Uh, one other interesting nugget in there, he did say that the coaches will be able to start this week mm-hmm. watching the watching the players work out, which sounds kind of weird, but but see them perform in in person. Yes. Which was one of that was another one of my questions was sort of like what's the difference in seeing a player on film over and over again versus what's the difference between when when you finally get to see them on the field. Yeah, you person. actually see that move in person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was interesting to hear he said he's been watching uh video of previous practices. Yes. Before that he got there as much as anything. That's great. Yeah. You you could see how some of the guys um if you weren't able to completely see them in a game did they go through some adversity in practice, have a couple of bad reps? How do they yeah. bounce back from that? Maybe they do look really good in practice and it just didn't translate to some games. Yeah. Maybe he sees a practice and goes, I thought that guy should have got some more game reps. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think that guy maybe maybe should have had some more game day snaps. Yep. Yep. There might be some of those in that there. That was interesting. I didn't even I mean, I didn't even think of it. It's I guess it's a little obvious now that you've got all of that at your disposal mm-hmm. and you want to see a guy who maybe didn't play a whole lot in a game and you want to see what they look like. You can go back to a practice. You can go to let's pull up the practice on October 4th and go to the live live session on that and mm-hmm. let's see how so and so looked in that. I it's obvious, but I didn't, you know, I didn't I I mainly thought about him watching like game film kind of with this whole thing, but doing a doing a lot of watching the practice films as well. That's nice. Yeah, there you go, and uh, I think he I think he goes to <laughs> going to all the sporting events. You kind of asked him about that, but he I, I mean he basically said, "Look, I'm not doing it to show you know for any sort of a marketing PR situation. It's just because I think it's in part because there's probably not a lot you can do when you're not working. I mean, yeah, it, it doesn't have you, you know you're hanging out with staff the entire day long, yeah, working." You don't have your family there. You can hang out in the apartment. And if I guess, he's not watching Real Housewives. I guess keep working or watch TV or something else, or you could walk down the street and uh, and go go watch a basketball game I would or 100, a tennis match. Or I would absolutely like that. So, take advantage I mean, of that part. That makes sense. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I would. Plus, get, you just sort of get the feel of the you know of the university of the athletic department, the people that that uh, are working around you as well. Mm-hmm. So, but and how about that? Uh, that that I was really curious about. Uh, about staying at your potential boss's house <laughs> while you're you're secretively in town interviewing for the job, but that just shows. And the- you got some, you know, a, a, a woman and Trev's wife who you don't even really you don't know mm-hmm. picking you up at the airport, taking you to her house to stay there. Yeah, but that just shows the the great relationship that Trev Alberts is putting forth to to one to go through to make that hire. But hey, this is what we're doing, and 
And for Matt Rule to go through and list his former ADs that he had great relationships with, yeah. obviously that that stood out to him. Yep. Yeah, he did, and he did that at his press conference too. He, you know, all of the places was having an elite relationship. Elite, as he said, an elite relationship. Yes. All right. <laughs> Hopefully, we can give him some elite restaurants to uh, some more elite restaurants to eat at with Munch Madness. The selection show, Munch Madness from Friday. Elite. I was going to say, I was going to say, you have the elite eight, but we changed that to the eat eight. Now I feel like you got to change it back. Uh, maybe with all of these. We'll get his Elite Eight That's... compared to our Eat Eight. There you go. All right, Save 55. We'll take a break. Wrap up the show after this on KLIN. Urologist Malcolm Byron. You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, that is it for our show today. Thanks to not only Matt Rule for joining us. I don't want Joe Jordan to get overshadowed. And i uh, got a big show for you tomorrow as well. It is What Chaps Your Hide Wednesday. Your chance to get it off your chest on the show. Facebook.com slash LNK today is the place you should be looking this afternoon when you think of what is chapping your hide. Or you can text us, the Rick Stein Recognition Text Line at 402-479-1400. We'll also open up the phones for you at 710. Also uh, joining us tomorrow will be, I believe we have Lincoln Symphony Orchestra tomorrow, and we'll also have uh, John Bishop, who is joining us tomorrow as well. So uh, those will all be uh, some fun things. And then uh, Thursday, back to Generation Collaboration. Uh, I believe we still have more Journey and Sticks tickets to give away and Nebraska basketball tickets to give away, probably to the Wisconsin game here coming up this weekend. Yep, I actually, would guess. You, you nailed it. Yep, so we'll have both of those. I don't even need to look in there. I'm like, the amazing Karnak, and just <laughs> uh, just get it by osmosis. Uh, and then Friday on the show, Request Line Friday, Valentine's Day edition. Uh, great chance for you to give a little bit of an early Valentine's Day present to your sweetheart by dedicating a song to them. And you can do that by texting us that song that you want to hear, plus a little note if you like to do that as well, uh, to the Rick Stein Recognition text line at 402-479-1400. It is not too early to do it. I would recommend as soon as you figure out exactly what song that you want to request this week, you text it in because already on Tuesday morning, we are getting together a decently hefty list, and that will continue throughout the course of the week. We leave you today at 33 degrees in the capital city, 51 degrees your high today, and I got good news continuing on the forecast today, tomorrow, still in the 50s, cool down a bit, but not bad for Thursday and Friday, probably in the 40s, high 30s, but then starting on Saturday, right now we've got 54 Saturday, 50 Sunday, 56 Monday, 53 Tuesday, 48 Wednesday, and so this is not a uh, super short-term thing here with these nice weathers, so enjoy it. Try to find a time to get your car washed and get your dog out to the dog park. It's going to be busy. All right, we'll see you tomorrow. It is 9 o'clock on KLIM Lincoln.